0: Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world
1: today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Steffo Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we're going to finally be addressing our, if we kind of hinted at it, our episode on elevated horror and what it has to do with women and Me Too, um, which we kind of did very briefly in uh, two happy hours that were just like these quick reviews on recent horror movies. But also we have done entire episodes on movies that would fall into this. Um, So we've done Feminist Movie Fridays on Scream 5. Uh, Alien, The Witch. I would say even Women in Revenge could kind of be counted in here. Some of the movies we talked about uh, in those episodes, because that was a two-parter: our Final Girl episode, our Screen Queens episode, our episode on uh, Women and Monsters, Women Who Are Monsters, and even Urban Legends, Women Urban Legend Monsters, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. So this one's kind of interesting because I'm gonna I'm gonna break down what exactly is elevated horror, which is kind of a big question. Uh, And I have a lot of thoughts about it. And then we're going to run through some movies that are examples of it very quickly at the end. Because otherwise, this episode would be uh, forever. Forever long. Uh, But yes, uh, Samantha, as always, feel free to jump in anytime. I got you. I have been watching quite a few horror movies lately. And I have a lot more to go because... We are in October. I've got my list, but I'm also trying to introduce some new things. Um, try out some new things. Uh, brief discussions around violence, uh, domestic violence, sexual assault, child endangerment, child abuse, and murder in this. That sounds really bad. We're not going to get too in depth into any of that, <laughs> but I just wanted to put it out there because we are talking about um, horror movies where that comes up quite often. All right, so elevated horror, what exactly is it? Well, that is hotly contested and very, very divisive. The general consensus seems to be that it's essentially a brand of horror that leans more into being emotionally upsetting as opposed to things like gore or jump scares that might upset you. But that doesn't mean at all that there are no gore and jump scares in Elevated Horror. So our
0: feminist movie for this month, was it Elevated Horror? Because I was upset, Annie.
1: It was, you know what? In a minute, we should break down our uh, own definitions of what it is. I would qualify it as elevated horror. Uh, Yeah. Well, look forward to that episode. I was upset. She was quite upset. And it was fair. It was fair. Okay. So, some people take issue with the quote elitism of the term elevated horror and how it implies that horror needed to be elevated. Uh, Basically, that the term is pretentious and is. You know, saying a fun slasher movie needs to be elevated, it's not very good, or that horror itself, it's a trashy genre, so this is, like, good horror. Many argue it's an unnecessary term or subgenre, that there's still horror movies at the core, like, why do we need this term? Um, and... Essentially that maybe it's a way for people who are embarrassed or ashamed to admit they like horror movies to say they like horror movies. (laughs) Even though elevated horror movies that they're talking about are still horror movies. Um, So like being like, I don't like horror, I like elevated horror, but it's still horror, essentially. Some say it's basically just a more pretentious term for psychological horror art horror or social horror. Um, for instance, horror movies around race, like Get Out, which was classified as best musical or comedy at the 75th Golden Globe Awards to illustrate a point that we're going to make later. But, but essentially, like, okay, I'm going to break this down in a minute. But it sounds like we're, we're having a lot of discussion around what these, these movies actually are. Others argue that while it's silly, this term is silly, it's useful for uplifting a genre that for so long has been looked down upon. All right. So this is kind of stream of consciousness. But here is my thought about this whole thing. Okay. Here we go. I'm ready. All right. So I am somewhere in the middle because I love a good, bad horror movie, which I think is a thing that exists. And I see nothing wrong with that. Like I don't think that's a guilty pleasure. I don't think like that means it's not worthy of watching. I think if you want a good, bad horror movie, you can find a good, good, bad horror movie. (laughs) Um, I like a slasher. I think if I had to define elevated horror, which I heard for the first time in Scream 5, actually. I hadn't heard it before then. They have a whole discussion about it at the beginning of that movie. Um, I, I would agree that the term can sound pretty snobby. I don't think psychological horror quite captures what I thought elevated horror is. Social horror is closer, though that's still not quite right. Horror, as I have said a million times, reflects our societal fears, sometimes reinforcing them, sometimes critiquing them, sometimes doing all of those things. So when I think of elevated horror, in my mind, it feels more like an intentional critique. Because <laughs> sometimes horror movies make, they have these messaging in them that I'm not sure they meant to have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's very intentional and that can work out and sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it feels like way too blunt or like in your face, heavy handed. Um, But so going on that definition, something like the original scream could be in the mix because I guess self-aware is also a term we could throw in there. But they kind of knew like what these messages were and were commenting on them. But yeah, I can see how that feels like, you know, you're still passing judgment on other horror movies. And also, you know, interpretations and messaging often are unintentional and or like you can't really predict always what the audience is going to take away from something. Intent is hard to judge sometimes. But, you know, (laughs) a lot of people said like, Can we not just say some movies are better than others? (laughs) That some movies pull it off better? But okay. For our purposes in this episode, it is a movie that is using horror to comment pretty directly on a social issue. Um, I also have personally never felt elevated horror meant that other horror movies suck or are not worthwhile. But I've also grown up like one watching horror movies all the time. Um, I think the time I grew up, there was a lot of good horror movies or horror movies that people liked a lot. So I never got the impression that a lot of people seem to get, I'm going to talk about in a minute, that they had been judged for liking horror <laughs> movies. I never really got that. I also grew up around a lot of sci-fi movies and fantasy movies that had similar terminology. Like you hear, you know, heady or cerebral sci-fi, high fantasy. You can make all these same arguments we're making right now about that. I just assumed those kinds of things (laughs) meant that you paid more attention to them, like you needed to pay more attention to them because there was some message going on. (laughs) Which, yes, isn't always good or isn't always done well and can fail at its message. So it doesn't mean it's better, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So this is a very complicated thing, obviously. Also, Entertainment sometimes gets a popular interpretation, yes, that might not have been intended. We've talked about a lot of those movies before. And yeah, a lot of stuff I read when I was researching this did feel like the people who were writing it felt slighted for liking horror. Um, And this term, elevated horror, just annoyed them. Uh, Especially people who prefer slashers. Like, they were like, are you saying... Slashers are not good, I prefer them. Which I would say a slasher could be an elevated horror, but you know, one of the theories about how this term came to be is that it was to counter an earlier rise in ultra-gory slasher slash horror movies. So it was like a way of saying, it's not that thing. It's not (laughs) this really gory slasher, torture porn sometimes as it's called. Another similar theory suggests that after a real slump in the quality of horror movies in the early 2000s, the genre needed a rebranding. So this was their rebranding. And I get the feelings of Hurt People who have been here so long, watching horror for so long, and have loved this genre, and now they're hearing this term and are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're basically calling everything I like, like, less than. <laughs> I get that. It also dismisses the fact that whatever you call it, elevated horror is not new, uh, but more on that later. Um, As someone who has acted in a lot of horror movies, it was frequently pitched to me, horror was frequently pitched to me as a subpar genre that was easier to get distribution for. So, I do think this has changed, especially now. I feel like we're, I think I said this, we're living in a glut of horror movies, like so many horror movies. People are excited to see them, but when I was in when I was acting in them, everybody in almost everybody felt like I would rather be doing any other genre. But this is the easiest genre to get made and to get distributed. <laughs> um, as I said, the Vitch is often credited with really launching the term elevated horror, uh, though movies much older than that, even more recently older than that, if that makes sense, are. Included in the subgenre now, it is mocked quite a bit in Scream Five, which, funnily enough, I would call an <laughs> elevator. Maybe, um, but if all of this is confusing you, I think there's a lot of—it's just a lot of opinions about it. IndieWire has a really good thread of people debating the term, and I really recommend it because I think there was a lot of viewpoints that were uh, showcased. Uh, So it wasn't just one-sided. There was a lot of, you know, it's a useful term. I don't like it. Oh, no, I hate it, and here's why. Or no, I like it, and here's why. Um, So I recommend it if you want to learn more. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be
0: boring, like banking.
1: Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC.
3: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: Can I rant for a sec? Please.
1: And yeah, horror movies are popular. They are experiencing a surge of popularity right now. They have recently swept up a bunch of awards. They make big money. Movies like Paranormal Activity started a whole franchise, solidified a whole company, and on a tiny budget. Um, And as we've discussed before, they've seen a steady and increasing popularity amongst women and marginalized folks pretty much since they've been around. Still, the critique that they have historically not been respected is a fair one to this day i think only six horror movies have been nominated for best picture though that does depend on what you classify as a horror movie um there are similar numbers around fantasy and sci-fi people looking into the matter also argue that what is successful influences what is made meaning we are living in a glut of horror right now because they have been successful so they are getting made um But on top of that, many find solace in horror when living in horrific times. And in fact, I just saw an article about this, which is probably because Google watches everything you do. But it was like, oh, you would want to read this article. (laughs) Uh, According to the Horror Report, in 2000, around 200 horror films were produced. But by 2016, this number had risen to more than 1,000. Uh, they're getting more well-known actors, writers, directors, etc. Um, COVID gave way to what some call lockdown horror. I uh, think The Host, which I do love. As discussed in previous episodes, during times of strife like a global pandemic, more people turn to horror than might would normally for the catharsis and emotional release it can offer. Popular shows like Stranger Things have introduced people to the genre while also playing homage to it. Here's the quote from horror legend Wes Craven. Horror films don't create fear, they release it. So I think it makes sense. Like right now, there are so many getting made and we're seeing like a wider variety of what's getting made. I do think it's interesting. Sometimes I get this feeling when people say elevated horror, what they really mean is stories we haven't seen before. And a lot of it has to do with women and marginalized people which I think is pretty telling. But anyway, yes, we are seeing a lot when it comes to elevated horror, whatever you want to call it, of movies that grapple directly with issues specific to women. Something that took off kind of after around the time of Me Too. But again, this is this isn't new. This is kind of like a new wave of something I feel like has been here forever. But anyway, in this new wave, what we're seeing a lot of things around in these movies and women, is trauma. So much trauma. <laughs> um, we are seeing a lot of things that you could relate to me to, like sexual assault, gaslighting, not being believed, which again is in all kinds of horror movies, um, domestic violence, pregnancy and motherhood, loss of child, and mental health. And I would say, uh, based on a lot of movies I've watched recently... Some kind of substance abuse. And then also, like, men trying to control women in, into being back in, like, old times. <laughs> like, men trying to control women, I guess, ultimately. Um, that's just what I have seen. And it was something that, uh, as someone who watches a lot of horror movies, I've kind of been like, huh. A lot of these movies are talking about this stuff right now, which I find interesting. And we have covered it in full episodes. We have covered, as we said, Scream 5, which has this whole conversation on elevated horror. And it's very clear that the killer on the phone does not like elevated horror, the term and or otherwise. <laughs> but you can check that out if you want to learn more. I think the Vich... It's it's a good example of this in that they are, they're talking about witches, but they're also talking about sexuality and a young girl coming into her sexuality and being called a witch and what that means and how it turns you away. It turns you towards the devil and butter or whatever it is. Which, I mean, so many witch movies are ultimately about that, about being outcast from society and what does that make you? And what do you do when you're outcast? And usually a lot of sisterhood is involved.
0: A lot of sisterhood and betrayal. And usually one man. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, yeah. But not, you know, not always a sisterhood. There wasn't in this one, that's for sure. Well, I guess now at the end, there was, there was. The Love Witch, which I really recommend, which has a whole thing about sexuality. It's got a whole, like, period... Uh, vibe where she uses her tampons and spells and stuff. Um, so I recommend that one. We talked about Fresh in the whole episode, uh, which has to do with modern day dating and consumption culture when it comes to dating. We talked about She Will, which is about using and abusing women for art, which I would say is also a huge one. This is a big theme I've seen lately oh, in yeah. my horror movies. <laughs> I think two I watched yesterday. I think like that
0: definitely follows real life. It's true. It's true. What? Aronofsky and Polanski, they they do that.
1: hmm Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big theme. And a lot that I've seen lately is that and kind of the trauma that falls out from it and dealing with that trauma. We talked about men and my quick happy hours uh, and how that's all about, like, blaming women which I've also seen quite a bit of. And then X and Pearl, which are, you know, sequel, prequel, original. I don't know how you want to say it. But some of the things I didn't talk about in that, I went to go see it a second time. I went to go see Pearl a second time recently because I just had a, like, after you, and I was like, you know what? I want to go again. Um, Some of the things I didn't talk about in there was that movie has kind of got a lot of messaging around, like, the nostalgia of remembering an older time and how it was better, but this movie does not do that. It's like, no, <laughs> women were never actually like that. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, they actually weren't super happy with this day <laughs> and taking care of your family and not having opportunities. There's this whole idea of having to give up being special, having to give up your dreams and settle, which we've also talked about before. But then something else is jealousy with other women, which we kind of touched on, but Pearl was real jealous of other women um, who could get out in her mind, who escaped this sort of settling that she did not want to do. Okay, so those are movies we talked about. Um, One we haven't talked about but we definitely could and should is Midsummer.
0: Did we not do an episode on that?
1: We have not done an episode on Midsummer. We did? No. No. Nope. I think we've just talked about it a lot,
0: <laughs> you and me personally. Oh, wow. In my head, I thought we had already done this whole episode. Okay. Are
1: you no, sure? No. I'm pretty sure. I mean, maybe we have, and listeners will write in and I'll be like, oh, goodness me. Who knows? Um, But Sounds one surprising. of the things. I find really interesting about Midsommar is how I have been in a group of friends who have seen it, and the divide will fall amongst the men and women in the group of whether or not Florence Pugh's character was being gaslit or whether or not the boyfriend was the one that was being wronged. And I always find it quite fascinating. Huh, <laughs> like,
0: that's not ooh. even a conversation in my mind.
1: I know, right? So if you haven't seen it, like uh, the most brief explanation is like, Florence Pugh's character, Danny, has a huge tragedy in the beginning. She's in this relationship with this guy and his friend group, who is not great, is telling him he needs to break up with her. He doesn't want to do it. Now, she's got this tragedy, so I guess he feels compelled to stay with her. But she feels in her mind like she's always asking too much of him. Um, and so, ultimately, she finds out he was going to Sweden with this group. She wants to go. He never asked her, but he's like, no, no, you can come. He, dev- he never tells her she can't come or he doesn't want her to go. So, it, they go together. Things happen. Um, (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) Uh, She kind of finds this sort of happiness, though. But it is very much... He is, like, when I watch it, I'm like, oh, this is a gaslighting 101. This guy and his friends, mostly, are just making her feel like she's being ridiculous or too much. Um, She feels like she has to hide her grief all the time. There's, like, five scenes in the movie where she goes to hide so she can, like cry or can make herself feel better, which I get, like, if it's a thing where you don't want to cry on people, I understand. But it's not that so much as she doesn't feel like she can because she feels like he'll leave her. And there's a pretty explosive deleted scene where he's like, I cannot, you are too much to deal with and all this stuff. And I felt like when I watched it, like I said, Gaslighting 101, he was very much doing the bare minimum as somebody in a relationship, and making her feel bad that he was doing the bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> but I have talked to so many of my dude friends who were like, "Oh, I can't stand her. Like she's always asking for stuff, and she just would not leave him alone." And I was like, "I don't know. I don't think you were reading. I don't think you're picking up the right message Ooh, here." Because
0: I need to talk to them. <laughs>
1: Well, it was interesting because I just, like you said, it never occurred to me. Like I was just like, yes, this is not a good boyfriend. Um, This is gaslighting. Uh, but it, it's got a lot going on when it comes to that. And uh, I think we should. If we have not done an episode on it, we should come back and talk about it. Because I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> okay, and then... The Other Lamb is one. Have you ever seen this one? No, that is a okay. brand new one. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Okay, so I feel like I'm just giving you... A bunch of recommendations as well. I no longer trust you, so... That's fair. Always look them up, <laughs> listeners. Look them up. Don't just take my word. We're beefing, uh, y'all. If you can't tell, we're beefing <laughs> up a <our> movie. <laughs> look it up. <laughs> I don't want to send you astray. The Other Lamb is often called, like, you know, another version of Midsummer. It involves a cult of this guy. It's run by this guy who looks like Jesus, essentially. He's got all these young women, young girls in this cult, and when one of the women or young girls gets the period, gets their period, it's like, oh, now you have to have sex with this cult leader. There's a big preference for youth. It's got a lot of messaging around that, which is also present in a lot of these. And just this idea of all these women being expendable to him and something he can just control and use and throw away and hurt. Um, and the women kind of coming together to combat that. You're next, which I'm just going to say ain't your normal final girl. Uh, there's a lot. There's been a lot of movies about kind of flipping the final girl storyline. This is a big one. The Babadook, which I... When I saw it, even I was like, wow, because I hadn't seen a portrayal of motherhood like that. Mm Because it's basically kind of like, you know, depression and grief and mental health are not easy. Uh, They don't really go away. Healing is not an easy thing. And motherhood isn't always pretty, and you don't always really like your child, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is something you don't see very often. Especially not in that way, where it wasn't like she was out to... I don't know. I feel like when you see that, the child is evil or something, or either she's possessed. But in this case, it was just, it wasn't that, um, which was something that was pretty new to me. I know there's a lot we could talk about with the Babadook as well, but I'm trying to keep this very brief. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring,
0: like banking.
1: Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a National Association member, FDIC.
3: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire, part time or full time. So visit Snagajob.com or text SNAG to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
1: When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all.
0: Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel.
1: Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow.
0: Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Uh, so there's this movie that came out, I think it won a bunch of awards, uh, called You Won't Be Alone. And in it, one of the the main character is abducted by a witch as a child, and becomes a shapeshifter. And it has a really interesting storyline about her kind of re-entering the world and realizing that uh, it's easier to be a man, because <laughs> uh, this is set in like the eighteen hundreds or maybe earlier. It's not modern day at all. So, kind of her because she she wasn't raised in the world, right? So she injures it and is like, why is it better to be a man? But she can shapeshift into all these people. And it's kind of a body horror film, so it's got some pretty gruesome shapeshifting scenes. But I thought that was interesting. Ready or not, which we have talked about, uh, which I felt like the message was don't get married, or either, if there's money involved, they're going to choose the money. <laughs> Not gonna choose you. Your love pells in comparison to his riches and security, and his family's riches and security. Uh, Resurrection. This was the movie I was trying to remember when we did those uh, happy hours. This one just came out. Uh, it, it's pretty. It's pretty dark. It's a lot of trauma in that one. A lot of messaging around how no one believes you, or or either you finally confide in somebody and they don't know what to do with it, and they're like okay, can I leave now? And jealous men who can't handle you having anyone else in your life and doing terrible things because of that. Oh, yeah. Actually, this was, both Pearl and Resurrection have like nine-minute monologues from the main actors that are very, very impressive. And then I just saw Barbarian which is also pretty disturbing. But it's got a whole thing about mothers. Oh, my goodness. Um, and monsters created by men and the monstrous men that created them. And then facing those monsters. Um, it's got a real shift. Did you just
0: spoil me on barbarians? Mothers? Did I? Mm,
1: I don't definitely think I, I did. I didn't know anything
0: about mothers was in there.
1: I, honestly, I do not think I did. Because <laughs> the movie takes a real turn. <laughs> It takes a real turn. Okay, okay. And then just briefly, as I said, this is not new. And a lot of these movies, you can argue with me whether you would put them in this mysterious category that may or may not exist of elevated horror. Because I do think for a lot of horror movies, you could find some societal messaging in them. I just think there's kind of a difference in the intentionality of it. But you could fight with me that with that as well. But it is not new at all. I think this is just kind of a current wave that we're seeing. I just watched, for instance, Martyrs, which is a super disturbing film about punishing women, torturing them until they become martyrs so that you can see what's on the other side. If there's anything on the other side. Rosemary's Baby, yes, Mm -hmm. oof, because that has Polanski involved. But Mm -hmm. it is like a whole thing about like, like before, around the time of Roe v. Wade. And... Uh, being gaslit and having control over your body, marital rape, (laughs) Um, alien, which we talked about, has the whole messaging around um, abortion and body autonomy. And uh, yeah, um, just pregnancy in general. And then, you know, we're not really going into this now, even though I'd love to come back to it, but things like The Ring and The Grudge have a lot about because those were coming out, you know, after the atomic bombs were dropped in Ch- Japan, and it was this kind of fear of like, oh, did this change? Are we? Is this impacting our bodies? And what is going to happen? Like when we have children, what's going to happen? Um, and I read a pretty interesting. Are they going to be evil? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I did just watch Sadako versus Kayoko, and I, you got some updates about that. I had a good time. I would not put it in <laughs> elevated horror, but I had a good time. You know, that's the thing. It's like, it, it can you can have fun with these movies. It doesn't have to be that. Like, anyway. And also, it's just to say, this is not unique to the horror genre. I think, when I was reading about this, I was like, I've heard this argument play out in pretty much every genre, if not every genre. Right. Um, so I don't... I don't think... This conversation is new, but I do think that there is something something happening that feels like right now that we're really wanting to see these movies, and we've we've had other periods of it before. But right now, to me, it feels like there's just a lot of them coming out, and that they're pretty popular. But yeah, that's just those are some of my thoughts. I know I did like rapid fire through those movies at the end. Um, but hopefully some of you are listening, you're like, ooh, maybe I'll check that one out. Maybe I'll check that one out. But yes, as Samantha said, look it up because I don't want to <laughs> lead you astray. <laughs> We're beefing. <laughs> well, you'll hear more of that beef soon <laughs> uh, <laughs> in our upcoming Feminist Movie Friday. But in the meantime, as always, listeners, if you have any thoughts on this, if you have any suggestions, oh my gosh. we are, Samantha and I are in full swing, so please. yes. Let us know. You can email us at stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Mom's stuff podcast or on Instagram at Stuff i Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina.
0: We are not beefing. Love you, Christina. Oh.
1: Well, <laughs> I'm not beefing with Christina. Are you? But you're just beefing with me. That's all right. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and thanks to you for listening. Stuff on Never Told You is the protection of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC.
2: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors